Now, I choose to bow now, and you can make your choice. You can choose to bow now, but you will bow later. <laughs> Every knee will one day bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of truth in that song. Thank you so much for it. Turn your Bibles tonight. Turn with me, please, back to the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking in just a moment in Daniel chapter number 11. Now, I'm going to be doing things a little bit different tonight, folks. We're going to do our best to finish the book of Daniel this evening. Now, I know we've got Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12 to go, and, uh, but Lord willing, we're going to try to finish all of it. Um, we're going to go through these a whole lot faster than we have went through the rest of the chapters in the book of Daniel. And the reason for that is most of what you're going to see in Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12 has to do with the nation of Israel. Um, not all of it, but most of it. So really what I'm going to do is kind of hit the high points of what really applies to us. It's important that we always keep the Word of God in context, in its proper context. Um, my teachers over at the Bible Institute, they would always say uh, over and over and over again for good reason that context is king, and they're right. See, if you don't keep the Word of God in context, then you can make it say whatever you want it to say. I had a discussion with, about that just last week with a dear brother in Christ. And we talked about the importance of um, letting the Bible speak for itself. You know, and, and keeping the Word of God in the context that it's supposed to be in. So that we don't misinterpret or mislead anyone. Amen? And so, um, and, and please don't misunderstand me though. I, I don't want you to think um, that... This in Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12, I don't want you to think it's not important because it is very important. I don't want you to think that it's not powerful because it's very, very powerful. I certainly don't want you to think that it's not um, in, in any way, shape, form, or fashion that it's not inspired because it's certainly inspired. Inspired by God, written down by God's man. And because it's inspired, it's important. Can you say amen? And because it's inspired, it's powerful. It's God's word to us, but not a lot of it is going to apply to the modern church. Most of it will apply to the nation of Israel. And so I want to encourage you to go back and read for yourself the biggest portion that we're going to kind of skip over tonight in Daniel 11 and Daniel chapter number 12 and allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to your heart about it. But we're just not going to go verse by verse through these next two chapters. Now, what I really want to do tonight is answer the question, what have we gained from the book of Daniel? Let me ask you, have you enjoyed the book of Daniel? I've, I've truly enjoyed it. It's always been one of my favorite books. I've never preached through it. This is my first time to preach through Daniel. And man, the Lord has truly blessed my heart um, in this, and I hope that it's true for you as well. But I want us to really think about what we've gained from it. I want us to think about what we have gleaned from it, what truth has been spoken to us that we can and should apply to our lives. Because how many know that's really what Bible study is all about? It's taking the Word of God and seeing what it says to you, for you, right where you live. Amen. I've told you before, if you really want to get something out of studying your Bible, you need to answer three questions. You need to answer who was God speaking to then when it was written, um, who is God, or what is God saying now, today, and then when it really bursts a flame in your hand is when you answer, or excuse me, ask and answer the question, what's God's word saying to me? How does it apply to my life? So what have we gained from the book of Daniel? What have we gleaned from this great truth 
here in the Old Testament. Now, what I want to do is just make four statements tonight, and I'm going to be done. I'm not going to keep you long. Um, I'm going to go through this as fast, as fast and quickly as I can this evening. Um, but I do have something the Lord's laid on my heart here that has blessed me, and I hope it blesses you. Statement number one, Daniel teaches us how to live for God in a godless society with a godless leader. If you remember, we said that the book of Daniel um, tells us first and foremost that Daniel was a slave in Babylon. We find that out uh, right from the get-go in the first ten verses. We know that Daniel was brought in captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon by the Babylonian army. The Babylonian army came and conquered the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And then not only did they conquer the city, but then they burned the city. They completely destroyed it. And they took many of the inhabitants in the city of Jerusalem back to Babylon as slaves. And Daniel was one of those slaves. He came back, uh, or he came to Babylon at about the age of 17 and spent 70 years in Babylon. Um, he, he grew up there. He lived his life there. And, and so we see that Daniel when he got to Babylon, found himself in a very wicked place. The nation of Babylon has always been known for its demon worship. All throughout the Word of God, the Bible teaches us what a dark place, what a demonic place Babylon really is. And, and so, folks, Daniel found him, himself in a place that he wasn't used to. He was a child of God in a foreign land, in a dark place, in a demonic place, with a very dark leader, with a very uh, sinful leader, a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And we looked at him extensively as we read the first three chapters of the book of Daniel. We, it talks a whole lot about Nebuchadnezzar and how God used him to accomplish his purpose. One thing that I do want to bring out to you tonight before we go any further do you know that the nation of Israel is God's chosen people? The nation of Israel, it's not was God's chosen people. The nation of Israel is God's chosen people. And we find that to be true all throughout the Word of God. There's a, something going on today called separation theology. Um, or excuse me, not separation theology, but... Um, um, I can't think of the exact term I'm supposed to be thinking of right now, but really what a lot of people are saying is that the church has took the place of Israel, that Israel is no longer important. Let me say something to you folks. God is still faithful to his promise. And the promise that God made to the nation of Israel in the person of Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter number 12 still rings true today. So it's not that Israel was the people of God. They still are God's chosen nation upon this earth. But if we read the Bible right, we see that God punished them by bringing the Babylonians upon them. We've read the book of Jeremiah, and you know from the book of Jeremiah, God sent his prophet to Israel to tell him to repent, to turn their face back to the Lord. You see, Israel in that time had sinned against God, and they had been disobedient to what he said, and they closed their ear to the prophet of God when he came speaking the word of God. And finally God said, okay, if you're not going to listen, if you're not going to repent, if you're not going to turn, then I'm going to punish you. And he brought Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army to do just that. Now let me ask you something. If God punished his chosen nation, Israel, for their sin, for their disobedience, for closing their ear and turning their back on God, if God punished Israel, that nation, in the Old Testament for that, do you not believe he will punish this nation for doing the same thing? 
I, I was listening to Dr. J. Vernon McGee just a few weeks ago. Me and Brother Eric was talking about him just Sunday night. J. Vernon McGee, or Sunday evening. J. Vernon McGee is one of my favorite preachers of the Word of God. If you've ever heard the Through the Bible radio broadcast, um, I know that you've been blessed by it. If you haven't heard the Through the Bible radio broadcast, look it up. He preached back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and then he preached through the 70s, up to about the mid-70s, and he passed away. But if you read or listen to what that brother was preaching, um, all the way back then, it's almost like he's preaching exactly about what's happening today. He truly was a prophet of God speaking the word of the Lord. But he said something just a few weeks ago that really hit home with me. He said that if God doesn't punish America, he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. God punished nations all throughout the Old Testament because they turned their back on truth, because they lived in sin. God even punished his chosen nation in the Old Testament. Because they turned their back on Him. They closed their ear to the truth and continued living in sin. I'm telling you folks, if God did it to them, He has not changed. He will punish us. That is a warning tonight, but it's also a prayer request. It really is. We need to be praying that we set our face back to the Lord, that we turn from our wicked ways and we allow God to heal our land. Psalm 33 and verse number 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. How many of y'all believe God has blessed America? In just 245 years, this country has came to the highest standard of living that the world has ever known. We have been blessed tremendously. It's amazing what God has done in this short amount of time. And the reason being, I believe, is that, the, the, that America was founded upon the principles of the Word of God. And because it's founded upon the principles of the Word of God, God blesses that. But I'll tell you this, when we begin to turn our back on the God who's blessed us, when we begin to turn our back on the truth we were founded upon, then not only do, do we, uh, um, listen, lose God's favor, but listen to me, folks, we forfeit God's blessing uh, that we've so richly been given over these last 245 years. And, and I think we're already seeing that to a large degree. And so we certainly need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying that we seek God's face, that we again make the almighty God of heaven, the Lord, the master, the one we look to. We must do it. We've got to do it. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that America is perfect. It's never been perfect. It's never been perfect. But I will say this. When you look around the world, and everything else, every other nation that you have to choose from, I'll take America every time, still. Still. God has blessed us. I want God to continue to bless us. But that can only happen if we repent and look to Him again. Dave, or Daniel found himself in a very wicked place, in a godless society with a godless leader. And I think we find ourselves in the same shape today. The people of God, the blood-bought, born-again believers, we live in a godless society. And again, folks, you don't have to look far to see that. Some of the things that are going on now absolutely break my heart. I told you a few months ago, the Assistant Secretary of Health 
appointed by President Biden as a transgender woman. Things that we used to be ashamed of, we are now praising and honoring and giving a place of authority. Just two weeks ago, a transgender woman won the beauty pageant for the state of Nevada to compete in Miss America. And everybody's all happy about that and praising that, that we've come so far. Folks, we're not progressing, we're regressing. And so we need to understand, just because it's popular, don't make it right. Just because the world is praising it, does not mean God is for it. Matter of fact, that almost always means God's against it. We must, we must seek the Lord again. But it starts with you and me, doesn't it? It starts with you and me. Daniel shows us how to live for God in a godless society. Now, you know, what blesses my soul, though, is that God used Daniel to completely change the landscape in this place that he's in. God used Daniel to speak truth in the midst of lies. God used Daniel, and Daniel shined brightly for the kingdom of God, God in a very, very dark place. Let me tell you something. If God did use Daniel, can't he use us? If God did cause Daniel to shine brightly in a dark place, can't he cause us to shine brightly in a dark place? If God can change things, through Daniel, can't he change things through his people today? He shows us exactly how to live for the Lord when nobody else seems to want to. It's amazing what this brother did, how, how the Lord used him. Not only does Daniel teach us how to live for God in a godless society with a godless leader, but Daniel stood firm for God's truth, yet he loved people well. And we see that continually all throughout the book of Daniel. We see him standing for the standard of what God has said. We see him standing on his convictions of what he knows to be truth. Daniel chapter number 1 and verse number 8. Now remember again, this is a 17-year-old young man coming to a foreign country and standing up for the truth of God in the face of the most powerful people on the face of the earth. At this time, when Daniel gets to Babylon, Babylon was the world power. Nebuchadnezzar had supreme, was the supreme ruler in Babylon. And it came down from the top that Daniel was going to be working in the king's palace. And, and so the, the plan was this. They were going to do everything they could to make these Jewish young men uh, Babylonians. I mean, that from changing their name to changing their customs to changing even what they ate and drink. But what they were commanded to do by the Babylonian uh, rulers went against what God had commanded Daniel to do. And so Daniel said, you know what? I can't drink your drink and I can't eat your food. Daniel chapter number 1 and verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart. I love how the Bible says that. He made it his purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now I want you to think about this. Get a hold of this. Here you have a 17-year-old boy, young man. 
that stood up in front of the most powerful people in the world, the people who had the power to take his life at any moment and say, I'm not eating your, drink, eating your food or drinking your drink because what my God says is more important. And he did it when everybody else except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was eating the food and drinking the drink. Can you imagine the peer pressure that Daniel was under? I'm sure there was a lot more that was around besides Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, come on guys, it's not that big a deal. We're eating better now than we've ever ate. We're drinking better now than we've ever drank. Come and join us. What are you doing? You're missing out on what Babylon has to offer. But Daniel realized he had rather please God than please Babylon. And let me tell you something, folks. If we're going to live for God in a godless society, we must also purpose in our heart to please God rather than please man. Let me ask you something. Is that always going to be easy? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, that's going to be difficult more often than not. Very difficult from time to time. But I'll tell you, even though it's difficult, it's worth it. It's worth it. It was worth it for Daniel, and I'm telling you, it's worth it for us. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way, I can tell you. It's worth it to do what's right. And honor God instead of honor men. Instead of honor what the world wants, you do what God wants. That's what Daniel did. He was living for God in a godless society with a godless leader. But statement number two, firm for God's truth. Yeah, but he loved people well. He, we see that right here in 8, but we also see it in Daniel chapter 6. You all remember that story where Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. The people that were jealous of Daniel because Daniel had the favor of God upon his life. The Bible says he had an excellent spirit within him. And God had caused him to rise to the rank of really second in command under the, the, the ruler himself. And a lot of people being jealous of Daniel's success chose to set him up by way of his faith so that he might get in trouble with the, with the, with the king. And so they said, nobody can pray to any other God. The only person you can pray to is to the king for the next 30 days. Because they knew Daniel was going to be faithful, like he had always been faithful, to pray every day. And the Bible says they came to where Daniel was in Daniel 6 and 11, and they saw him praying to the Lord with his windows open, choosing to stand for truth when everybody else was willing to lay down for a lie. And so we got to make the same decision. Truly, we're in the same place. It's a lot easier to lay down for the lie, but it's a lot more beneficial for you and for others when you stand for truth. But now, listen, not only did Daniel stand for truth, folks, but he loved people well. He loved people well. Even though he had the power to get back at those who had done him wrong, we have no record of that in the book of Daniel. The truth is he didn't have to. <laughs> See, usually when you um, make it 
your purpose in your heart not to defile God, to please God, regardless of whether or not you please man. When you purpose in your heart to stand for truth and love others, God will fight your battles for you. Daniel chapter number 6, after Daniel was delivered by the hand of God from the mouth of hungry lions, the Bible says that King Darius himself commanded that all those who brought accusation against Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den with their wives and their children, their whole families, were killed. God fights the battles of his people when we stand firm for his truth and we love others well. If he can do it for Daniel, he can do it for us. If you believe it, say amen. I want to encourage you. I want to let you know. Keep standing for truth. Keep loving God. Keep loving others. Just like Daniel. We need some Daniels today. Man, every time I think about how the Lord used this man, just blesses my soul. If he can do it for him, 17-year-old slave in a foreign country, I believe he can do it for us. It wasn't through Daniel's power. It wasn't because Daniel was faithful. It's because Daniel purposed in his heart to serve God above everything else. It's because Daniel stood firm for truth and loved others well. Same truth works for us. Same principle works for us. Personally, number three, personally, Daniel made the decision to stand for truth and worship God and God alone. He made a personal decision. Now, how many of you know we got to do the same thing? It's a personal decision that we've got to make. I'm reminded of Joshua chapter number 24, verse number 15. After Joshua had led the nation of Israel across the Jordan from the, from the wilderness to the promised land, and he gets them in there. Finally, they conquer the land that was given to them uh, by the hand of God. He, he makes his final declaration to the people right before he dies. And Joshua stands up and says, Joshua 24, 15, Choose this day whom you will serve. Either you're going to serve the gods that you served in Egypt across the Jordan, or you're going to serve the one true God. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I can't speak for your house. You can't speak for my house. I can't speak for my family uh, other than my immediate family. I can't speak uh, for my friends. I can't speak for the people at work. I can't speak for anybody else, but I can speak for me and my house. And we need to say like Daniel, and we need to say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We've got to make up in our minds what we're going to do before we're faced with a decision. You say, brother, what are you talking about? Well, I can promise you this. There's going to be some decisions our government makes coming down the road that we're going to have to purpose in our heart whether to stand for truth or lay down for a lie. It's coming, believe me. And we need to purpose in our heart now. We need to personally make that decision now to stand for what God says. Again, it's not popular, it's not always easy, but it's worth it. Daniel personally made the decision to stand for truth and worship God and God alone. And listen to this. Prophetically, God used Daniel to pre-write history. And that's probably, to me, one of the most powerful things I gained 
from the book of Daniel. He said, brother, what do you mean he pre-wrote history? Well, a lot of the things that Daniel wrote about in his prophecies that we've studied is history to us. But it was future events for him. See, the Bible is the only book who tells you the end from the beginning. Daniel began prophesying at about five, around 550 B.C. And from that time, God used Daniel, prophetically speaking, to tell us the major kingdoms of the world through the end of time. Now we can look back historically and see that Daniel was absolutely correct. So far, he's batting a thousand. Everything that he said would happen, happened. The thing you got to remember is he said it before it took place. He's not looking back like we are. He's looking forward by the power of God, writing down what the Lord gives him. Some of the most strongest evidence of the authenticity and the accuracy of God's word, the absolute truth that we have here, is the prophecy that we find in it. Daniel pre-wrote history, started with, if you remember, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the statue that had the head of gold and the arms of silver, and then went down from there, giving us the kingdoms of the world, Babylon, Medo-Persia, the Greek Empire, and then the Romans. And we talked about how all of that worked with the statue that, Daniel, uh, that, that Nebuchadnezzar saw and also with the beast of the sea. Y'all remember us looking at all of that. It's amazing how with such accuracy God gave Daniel exactly what was going to happen. Now I want to go back to Daniel chapter number 11. Let's just look at three or four verses right there that's truly a blessing to me. You remember me telling you about Alexander the Great and how in Daniel chapter 8 the Bible gives us a clear description of Alexander the Great coming from Greece to overtake the Medo-Persian Empire and become the third great kingdom that Daniel prophesies about. In Daniel chapter number 11, the Bible gives us more on that. Daniel 11 and verse 1, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him, and now will show thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia. Now we can look back in history and know from when, from when Daniel spoke this, when Darius, the first king of the Medo-Persian Empire, was there, there were, <clears throat> excuse me, there were two more kings after that. So again, he's batting a thousand. He's giving you exactly what's going to take place. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all, and by his strength, through his riches, shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia, or they're going to come against Greece. And a mighty king shall stand up, and shall rule with great dominion, and do according to his will. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken, and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven. And to his posterity, nor according to his dominion which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up, even for others besides those. So what's Daniel telling us? Daniel, through the prophecy that God gives, is telling us what's going to happen when Alexander the Great comes. And we know that's exactly what happened. Alexander the Great took power in Greece when he was about 20 years old. And he began a world conquest 
with the armies of Greek to conquer every land upon the face of the earth. And he just about did it. All the lands that he could get to, he, he got to and conquered. You remember me telling you that when he turned 33 years old, the history books tell us that he sat down and wept because there was no more lands to conquer. He went everywhere he could possibly go and conquered everything he could possibly conquer. He died at the age of 33. But before he died, he came to Jerusalem. And this is something that um, I found out in my study of the book of Daniel that truly blessed my heart. He was going to Jerusalem on his way to conquer the countries in the east. And when he gets to Jerusalem, the scribes and the priests that were in the temple who studied the scriptures brought the book of Daniel out from the city of Jerusalem to meet Alexander the Great when he came to conquer the city. He, they walk out to him because they understood that the Greek king, the mighty king that's being spoken of in Daniel chapter 11, and the Greek king, the mighty king that was spoken of in Daniel chapter 8, they were speaking, the, the, the Bible, the word of God, Daniel's prophecy, was speaking of Alexander the Great, and here he is coming to the city. Now the thing is, that was 250 years after Daniel wrote it. And so they bring this copy of the book of Daniel out to Alexander the Great. And he tells them to go back and he'd think over what they just told him. And so the next day he meets with the leaders of the city again. And when he meets with them, they met, they, he asks them what they want because he believed that what he had read was about himself. And he understood what I understand. Only God can do that. Now this is the cool thing that I didn't know. When Alexander the Great was growing up in Greece, he had a teacher by the name of Aristotle. Anybody remember Aristotle, the great philosopher? Aristotle had actually taught Alexander the Great the language of Hebrew while he was growing up. Now do you think that's any accident? That when Alexander the Great got to Jerusalem, he himself could read the prophecy in the Hebrew language and realize what they were saying was truth. Do you see how God was at work in all of that to save his people? And so the next morning he meets with the high priest and he meets with the scribes who had brought the book of Daniel out to him. And he asked them what they want because he believed that uh, what was being written was true. And they said, well, we want to be able to keep our customs. Now, you've got to understand when a conquering empire came in and conquered, they did just that. You didn't get to keep your own customs. You didn't get to remain Jewish. Then you became Greeks if they conquered you. But Alexander the Great allowed them to do so just because of the writing of the prophet Daniel. They asked that they wouldn't have to pay tribute to the nation of Greece, but every seven years. And he granted that. Why? Because the word of God was so powerful to him. It spoke volumes to him that 250 years earlier, a slave from the land of Jerusalem had written in Hebrew, which he learned to read while he was a little boy, just exactly what God wanted to say to him so that the nation of Israel might be saved, so the people of God might be saved. Isn't it amazing how God works? And so he didn't, he didn't invade Jerusalem. He befriended Jerusalem. 
The word of God is powerful. Prophecy strengthens my faith in the accuracy and the authenticity of God's word. This is God's absolute truth to us. Again, it's the only book who tells you the ending from the beginning. Let me tell you something else prophecy does and what makes the book of Daniel so prophecy are so powerful. It gives me hope for the future. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I look around the world that we currently live in and it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get depressed. I completely understand what the old hymn writer was talking about when they wrote, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I look around me and I don't feel at home in this world. This world seems to get more and more and more wicked by the day. We are truly in a dark place. But let me tell you this. I've read the back of the book and I know who wins. I've read the book of Daniel and I know if God can use Daniel in a dark place, he can use Israel in a dark place. He can use you in a dark place to shine brightly for his kingdom. Prophecy gives me hope. It ought to give you hope. If God's batting a thousand so far, don't you think he can continue? Don't you think he will continue? Me too. Me too. Again, I'm not going to go through a lot more of this in Daniel 11 and 12. I encourage you to do so. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to start the book of Galatians. The Lord has really been dealing with me about that. Can't wait to start that New Testament book. It's going to be a blessing to us all. I love God's truth. And we're going to do the same thing with Galatians that we've been doing. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, so come be with us. We'll try and start that next Wednesday night. Do we have any prayer requests, comments, or questions this evening before we close? Nothing? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Sure will. Anyone else? Yes, anyone that's spoken this evening? Yeah. Any others?